0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, "God is good." And I'm not. But I can still live a good life. All right, I got half of you with me now. It is awesome to be with you guys today. Uh, the sun is shining. There may be issues and problems in our life. We may have had a good week or a bad week, but I have something on my heart today that I wanna just drop into your spirit. I wanna inspire you, I wanna encourage you, and hopefully make you have a wonderful Sunday because I really believe everything that happens throughout our week begins on Sunday. Success begins on Sunday. I, have, I Firmly believe that and uh, so glad that you are here today. We have people watching on Facebook Live today too, so we welcome them to the service. Uh, So I got a question, are you, and it may not be everybody, but are you tired of just kind of struggling all the time, tired of fighting maybe the same battles when you see others around you getting blessed a little bit or having some good things happen to them? I'm a firm believer. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. It really does. God smiles upon everybody. Uh, The truth of it is I believe God's intention for humanity, God's intention for you and for me is good. And the reason why is because he is a good God. Over 365 places in the Bible Talks about the goodness of God, how good God is. I think he wants us to be reminded. It's actually over 370. He wants us to be reminded daily of how good of a God he is. I get a kick out of religious people who like to talk about how mad and angry God is all the time. They don't know, they don't have a clue. I've come to tell you God's a good God. And if God is a good God, and I believe that he is, because we've got more Bible verses for that than the religious people have motives. Right. And uh, I believe that he intends for you and I to live a good life, even if you're not good all the time. And we struggle with that as people who love God. Why can't I be better? Why can't I be good? But you don't have to be. Don't take that out of context. Because God is good. And God is good through you. Even in your struggles. That's why we celebrate and believe in this thing, this gift, which is totally free, called Grace. So I believe this morning that you can live a good life in your relationships, in your family, in your career, in your business, in your finances, in your thoughts. Some of you would like just to have a good night's sleep, for Pete's sakes, right? And have a good life. I believe that God has a richer fuller, more rewarding life for every person in this place today. I believe he wants you to live a good life. I really do. And uh, just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state my claim today in the truth of God's word and let you know how that is. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. I'm reading to you out of the amplified version. It'll be in the NIV up, up there, but I want you to see this because I love how it says. It says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, his work of art. See, you and I are still a work in progress. Jesus, we, for Pete's sakes, can we lighten up with one another? Hello? Hello? Why do we have to be so critical and so condescending and so judgmental towards people? For Pete's sakes, give the gal in the McDonald's drive-thru a break. (laughs) We are all a work in progress. Listen to me. I have no purpose or reason to point my finger at anybody's issues or struggles or things that they're dealing with in life, for Pete's sakes. My response... Is totally to any person that I meet, any person I come in contact is simply I need to be kind. Because every day is not easy, but every, every day can be good. So we are created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works. Everyone say good works. See, there's some good in you to do in this world. If you are breathing today, there's some good life left in you. Watch. Which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set. So that we would walk in them. And here's what it means to walk in the paths that God sets. Living the good life. Look at your neighbor and say, living the good life. So he intended for you and I to live the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us. My my youngest daughter, 17 years old, has been a type one diabetic. You've heard me tell her story before since she was five years old. We were publishing her first book this summer on dealing with the battles that she has faced since five years old and even as a teenager. And she has so eloquently is really actually a good speaker, too. And she's got she got her first invitation to speak at a church in May. And she's only 17 years old. OK. And so she was talking about her daily struggle in one of these chapters And we were in the car yesterday, and she said, Dad, but life is still good. I don't know what you've got going on in your life. We've got people that have family members here, members in this church that are struggling with cancer. And even with cancer, it can still be a good life. What did did Hemingway once said? Any day six feet above the ground is a good day. Right? So God made an arrangement for us to live a good life. I love what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 8. And he was the wisest man on the earth. Here's what he said. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. Your intent for this life is not to be miserable until you die. God did not call you to be unhappy. God called you to live a good life and he's called you to enjoy your life no matter how many years you may live. And here's what I do know. Life is short. You might as well count your blessings. You might as well smile more. You might as well laugh more often and begin to make the most out of everyday That you are alive. Somebody once said, life is too short or it's too long for me to allow myself the luxury of living it badly. So how many of us here today really settle for the opposite of that? How many of us, in the name of God or the name of spirituality, settle for misery? Settle for struggle. Settle for unhappiness. All in the name of religion or I'm spiritual. No, we're not spiritual, we're ignorant. We like to masquerade it and put a spiritual connotation on our miseries in life. And that's not what God has intended. Listen, if you're going to make profound changes in your life, you're either going to need inspiration or desperation. And I hope to bring some inspiration to you today because most of us go through hell enough in our life and are desperate to change, right? Come on, somebody. You know, the sad thing is that 95% of the church, 95% of society actually settles for far less than what they really want in this life. Just living and wishing they had more, experience more, live their life with regrets, But never understanding God's true intention for humanity is that He desires for us to actually live a good life. Someone once said there's nothing more certain than death and nothing more unsure than this thing called life. But I want to talk about life this morning. I want to talk to you about how you can live a good life. Not, Not just how many years that you have left. Not the question of how you're going to die. Our brother's mother passed away last Sunday. I have done nine funerals in the last three weeks. Preached nine funerals in the last three weeks. We are constantly bombarded and faced with two things in this life. Life and death. Those are our two options. And every time I do a funeral, every time I go to a funeral... It causes me to put into perspective what really matters in this life. That I'm going to live and not die. And I'm going to declare the works of the Lord in my life. And those works are good works. So here, I've got, I've got five points. Yeah, five and then a bonus point for you today. Okay, you know me and my points, right? The first thing, if we're going to begin to live a good life, you've got to realize that every moment of every day is a gift from God and you need to enjoy it. Some of us walk around this town like it's, we are the most miserable people on the earth. Will you freaking smile sometimes? <laughs> Fake it until you make it. Oh my goodness, listen to me. Agatha Christie said it like this. I like living, but I have sometimes been wildly, despairingly, acutely miserable. Racked with sorrow. But through it all, I still know that to be alive is quite a grand thing. To be alive. Life is valuable. Your life means something. You mean something to somebody. You mean something to God. David said in Psalms chapter 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and help us to spend them like we should. I want to spend my life enjoying life. Oh, do I have bad days? Oh, good night do I do. Just ask my family. Do I get on my wife's nerves quite often? But life is still good. Life is fleeting. And young people don't understand that part. I didn't understand it as a teenager. But Psalms 39, 4 and 5. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth. And remind me that my days are numbering how fleeting my life is. That word fleeting means moving quickly. Roger, it's moving quickly for you, isn't it, Sir. 70 years old. I'll be 50. <laughs> he said he can't hear me. <laughs> I'll be 52 in May. And I'm going, where in the world has time gone by? I was holding my grandson yesterday on my lap, and he'll be a year old this month. And and I looked at him and I saw my daughter who uh, turned 30 in December. I'm going, oh my gosh, I remember when your mommy was this little. And it seemed like it was just yesterday. Life is moving quickly so fast before you know it. You're there. Listen to me, folks. We have been given a precious gift, a precious resource called time. You can't go buy it in a store. It's not on sale today at Kroger's or Walmart or Target. Paul said you and I are to redeem that time. That means use it. Enjoy it. Love it. 18 times a minute you breathe. 25,920 times a day free of charge. And that breath that you and I just took, it's a gift. It's such a gift. James 4, 4 said it like this. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your life is like a mist. You can see it for a short time, but then it just goes away. That's why I made a decision a long time ago. I'm going to live. I'm going to do stuff off the cuff. Everything I do is not always planned. Drives my wife out of her living mind. Because she's, she's a critical thinker. She's logical. She's a planner. She writes everything down. I was I was packing for China the morning she was taking me to the airport. She goes, You you stress me out. She starts packing a week in advance just for us to go to Florida for a week. Not me, baby. I'll throw everything in there, let's go! I'll do that. But I've realized that my greatest enemy is not death. My greatest enemy is an unlived life, and I'm going to live. Listen, Marcus Aurelius said it like this, when you rise in the morning, think of what a precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, and to love. C.S. Lewis said, life is too deep for words. Don't try to describe it, just live it. Look at your neighbor, tap them on the leg and say, you just need to start living Because I think Frank Sinatra said one time that because dying is a pain in the butt. <laughs> Sorry, you got to live. Number two, I, I, this is a personal passion of mine. Don't ever stop pursuing wisdom. Don't ever stop pursuing wisdom. My grandfather passed away when he was eighty, and and up until he died, he was a reader. He would study. He was still willing to learn. He was inquisitive, always wanting to know more. And he didn't talk a lot, but when he did, wisdom just came out of his mouth. The definition for wisdom is knowledge of what is true or right coupled with judgment as to action, discernment or special Insight Proverbs 4 and 5, 4, 5 through 8 says, Get wisdom, you get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't forsake wisdom. And she will protect you. Wisdom will protect you. Try to tell my kids this sometimes. Because sometimes they don't think. And Tricia leaned over to me when I was giving this talk to my kids. And she said, you're 51 years old. And sometimes you don't think either. (laughs) That's the truth. But if you think, if you get wisdom, it will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. My one daughter said one time, dad, isn't it funny that God calls wisdom a female? I never saw it like that. Then I got deeply offended. I'll leave that at that. And she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom, though it cost all of you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. I'm the personality of my marriage, my wife says, and she's the wisdom of our marriage. <laughs> Listen, Ben Franklin said, We are all born ignorant, but one must work hard to remain stupid. The biggest impact, the people who make the biggest impact in the world are the people who decide to pursue wisdom. So I've I've not arrived there, no, but I try to make it a priority to better myself daily. What's one thing that I can read? I do a proverb a day, every day. Not the whole book of Proverbs in one day. I read a proverb. And I'm going to tell you, or a chapter, a day of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. And you can get so much wisdom from one chapter a day. It'll take you five minutes to read. Who doesn't have five minutes to read a chapter from Proverbs? We we can check Facebook for 20, right? I would encourage you, don't be a know-it-all. Be a learn-it-all. Don't bankrupt your mind. The most important investment that you and I can make today is not in the market, but it's in ourselves. And mental health and self-care is a whole nother topic that I think Christians need to pay attention to and be mindful of and be aware of. You do need to take time for yourself You do need to pamper yourself. Don't feel guilty about it. You need, gentlemen, go fishing for Pete's sakes. Hit the golf course. Ladies, go get the massage. Go get the mani and the petties. And read a book or listen to a podcast while you're doing it. Listen, I would encourage you to buy the books listen to the seminar what can you do to make your life better your marriage better i've been reading things on grandparenting i thought i was a good parent i still hope to be a good parent but man i love being a grandpa it is the and all you grandparents can, you know what i'm saying is it not the greatest position that you've ever bestowed in your life my father-in-law said, yeah, if I knew it was this good, or my dad said, if I knew if it was this good, I would have had grandkids first. <laughs> Listen, folks, take time to pursue wisdom. Don't stop learning, ever. Don't ever stop on your personal development. Don't ever stop on your spiritual development. Listen. Always invest in what you find valuable and find yourself valuable, so invest in yourself. Because listen, if you think investing in yourself is expensive, boy, you ought to try ignorance. Ignorance is expensive. All right, number three. Number three. You want to live a good life? Develop right relationships. Oh, I tell my kids all the time, it's not what you know. But it's who you know. Life moves at the speed of relationships. So I'd encourage you, develop right relationships and love the people in your life. Honor them. Respect them. Value them. John 15, 12, Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Listen. If you ever see a turtle on the top of a fence post, it didn't get there by itself. (laughs) That's wisdom right there. You you think about it. Listen, focus on people. Focus on people in your life. Express that love to each other. Stay connected with one another. Pick up that phone. Call them. Grab that cup of coffee. Get around people that make your life better, not make your life miserable. It's okay to separate yourself from contaminated influences. People that that make you miserable and pull you down. You don't have to be hanging around them. Well, I'm just trying to be a Christian. Bull. You don't have to. You can be nice from a distance. <laughs> Am I helping somebody? <laughs> Proverbs thirteen twenty, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harms. Dr. Carl Meninger said our environment shapes us more than our DNA. who we are hanging around, who we are connected with. first corinthians fifteen thirty three says don't be misled bad company always corrupts good characters listen sometimes the most ordinary things are made extraordinary simply by doing them with the right people in our life and i believe that relationships either propel you or sustain you it, they're like elevators that take you up or they bring you down Wrong relationships, thieves to your success and thieves to your peace and thieves to your happiness. Right relationships bring you peace and joy and harmony and goodness. So remember this, God, he always gives us people to love and things to use. He never gives us things to love and people to use. Come on, somebody. Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no greater commandment. They were trying to mess up Jesus and try to find out, hey, Jesus, what's the rules? Because we're religious, you know, and we want to obey the rules. And he said, oh, yeah, here you go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Go on, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other greater commandment. And they were disappointed and angry and mad. Because he told them that. They thought he was going to say, well, don't go here and don't go there and don't eat that and don't eat this and don't drink this and don't drink that and don't watch this and don't watch that. Don't wear this. Don't eat bacon. What? Bacon is so good. Here we go. If life moves at the speed of relationships, and focus on your relationships. If you're going to live a good life, you're going to live a good life with right people in your life. Value those people. I know we're in COVID. Oh, I'm so over it. Hug one another when you can. Give them a, a distant hug. You know, blow them a kiss through the mask. Tell them, tell the people in your life how much you love and appreciate them. Barbara Bush said it like this. At the end of your life, you will not regret having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, having one more sale, closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your friend. So I'd encourage you, develop the right relationship. Number four, if you're going to live a good life, this is going to be challenging to some, and that is this, you've got to get a vision for your life that makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning. Get a vision that causes you to be alive. Why? Because you never go beyond where you see yourself going. Focus on where you want to go in life, not where you are. Early in my life, when I was younger, when we first got married, you know, I had these goals and these aspirations and these visions for grandeur. Okay? I wanted to experience certain things, go certain places. And I remember in prayer one morning, I wrote down uh, places I wanted to go, things I wanted to experience. And Bruce, I, I, I've experienced that. So at this point in my life, I've revalued. When I turn 50, you, well, when you turn 40, for Pete's sakes, it causes you to think differently. And then when you turn 50, I'm going, oh, my goodness, I'm getting over the hump. So I'm going, okay, what, what's my vision now for the next 50 years? Lord willing, I'd like to live to 100, you know. Um, who knows, I don't know. Uh, I've got my ails and struggles and aches and pains that I deal with on a daily basis already. Uh, and, and so I realized that my vision for the rest of my days and my life is no longer about me. It's no longer about where I want to go and what I want to experience, who I want to meet. It's those five kids of mine And a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law and now a grandson. That my desire that everything that I do, even down to the money that I make, I've got everything. I I don't need to buy another thing. Good night. If you saw my garage, you can't even walk through, but we got so much junk, right? We got more clothes than we can shake. And I purged four times during COVID, right? I realize that everything I do from this point in my life, my vision is about my kids, investing in my kids' success, investing in my kids' vision and dreams and goals, and building a life for my grandson of what he would want to experience in his life. My daughter and son-in-law, was, are, you know, they're trying to be real disciplined with him and let him know, what's, no, don't touch that. You know, and they're being like, no. And I told him one day, I picked him up. I said, when, when Mama and Dad say no, Pappy and Nana will say yes. <laughs> Grandparents, right. They can get as mad as all they want. I'm just telling you. So get a vision. Listen, life is a journey, and your journey will end up at a destination. Everybody will end up somewhere in their life. Why not end up on purpose? Listen, if you are lacking motivation, then you lack vision in your life. And your vision must be more compelling than your distractions. And there's always going to be distractions in life. Come on. There will always be. What is vision? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God believes in your vision. He believes in your achievable future. He, he says in Ephesians 3, 20 in the message, God can do anything far more than you can ever imagine or guess, requesting your wildest dreams. I'm telling you, your family, your spouse, your friends, this church is waiting for you to get a vision so big that a hundred years from now, your descendants and future generations, birthed from you, will look at your picture and say, Thank you. Get that kind of vision. Helen Keller said this, the only thing worse than being blind is one that has sight and no vision. No vision. Well, Rob, I got this going on and I don't have enough to do this. Never limit your, listen, never limit your vision based on your current resources. Vision always precedes, always exceeds your current resources. Early on in my ministry, I've traveled the world. I went to places that people that I grew up with never even thought about going. Different countries, communist countries, preaching the gospel all over the world. And I never had the money for any of it. And God always supplied the resources. Always. Always. What's your vision? What's your vision? My my daughter, uh, like I said, she's 17. And at... At 15, well, at, I'm sorry, at 10, she had a vision to buy her own car when she turned 16. And I'm like, go for it, baby. I believe in you. You can do it. <laughs> so she started saving her money from all her birthdays and Christmases, and grandparents would give her money for her grade cards. And then when she got, like, 15, she started babysitting and doing stuff like that. And all of a sudden, she has money. And she found a car on Facebook last year. And she said, and it was owned by a friend of ours. So she went and bought this. We bought she bought this car. It's a Volkswagen bug. At sixteen, she bought her own car because she had a vision to do it when she was ten. Now her twin brother, uh, he's working real hard to save his money to get a car. But prior to that, he was using his money for Fortnite and you know all that kind of stuff, right? And she has a car and he doesn't, but he's going to get one because he's been working real hard over the last year because he knows the value of vision. Now obviously, mom and dad will help a little bit, but what's your vision? What's your vision at this point in your life? I don't care if you're 80 years old. I don't care if you're 75, 70, 65. It doesn't matter. If you're alive, if you can still see, if you can still breathe, you can still have a vision. And then number five, and I'm almost done, is this. Live every day expecting greater things. It has something to do with a gift called faith. What's your expectations? What's your hope? What are you believing for? 2 Corinthians 5.7 For we walk by faith and not by sight. 1 John 5.4 For everyone who is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes our world even our faith. Your expectation this strong desire anticipation filled with confidence that you can obtain it. Don't stop believing. Well, you don't know, uh, my uncle said this, or my aunt said this, and now, you know, I told them what I wanted to believe for, and they're like, well, that's never going to happen. Hey, I love our family members, but some of them don't have expectations. Some of them are so negative that when they walk into the room, the lights go out. And I'm not going to allow anybody's limiting beliefs to be mine. If you don't have a hope, if you don't have an expectation, if you don't have a faith, that's your problem, not mine. But I will. I'm going to expect and I'm going to live my life. Because faith is truly living though your prayers have already been answered. Hello. Mark 9.23 And Jesus said to them, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Really? Did he say it or did he not? There is no yeah, buts. There isn't. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. You have to live your life with an expectation. Because for every mountain, there is a miracle. Listen, folks. I believe that there was a God who made mountains, but I also believe there's a God who can move them out of our life. And what mountains do you have going up in your life right now? There is a God that has the power to move them. You just got to stir up that little seed of expectation, that seed of faith. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he, has, he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. When you have faith, when you start believing impossible things are possible, you will get what you expect. Can I tell you this? There is no situation in any of our lives too difficult for God to turn around. There's nothing. Nothing. Nada. Nothing at all. Only believe. You get what you believe for. You get what you expect for. You get what you have faith for. The most extraordinary life that you and I can imagine is available to every one of us. I believe our life is infinite and and limitless when we have faith and expectations in our life. So I want to encourage you today. Those are the things that could help you live a good life. But then the ultimate that you got to make sure that's in check is—is is this right here? You got to live, and these—this is what I'm about to tell you now is on the screen, Bruce. You won't like. Everybody will feel like, oh, he's about to close. <laughs> <laughs> live your life in view of eternity. Life goes on. It really does. Death is never the end for us. It's a continuation of all of our journeys. Jesus said it like this. We've passed from death unto life. We're dying. Your mother's living. And that's what Jesus said. And Paul explained it like this. That to be absent from our bodies is to be present with the Lord. See, since there is a God right now counts forever. Cuz how we live this life now is how we live in eternity. Cuz the most important issue that we will face pertains to eternity and G- in God, Ecclesiastes said it like this, that God has put eternity in the heart Of all humanity. And here's what we need to know about that. One, God loves us unconditionally. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to be good. We don't have to be bad. He just loves us no matter what. He sees the best in the worst of us. Knows the worst about the best of us. And loves us without exception. And loves us without condition. He doesn't condemn the world. He loves the world. I don't know why religion decides it can condemn the world, I don't know why conservatism, uh, you know, attacks liberalism and, 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 and it's crazy in America right now. People turning on each other. You ain't wearing a mask. You're wearing a mask. We're not called to be that way. We're called to love. Because he loves us. And number two, God is not holding anything against anybody anymore. I, I, I'm convinced of that. Well, how do you know that, Rob? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 is really simple. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and not counting people's sins against them. Did he just say what I thought he said? Have you ever told... I lived in the South. I pastored in the South for seven years and there was billboards. Somebody wasted their money and put billboards up. And it was all about hell. I'm like, oh yeah, really. That, that, that does not turn people's hearts to God. It's the love of God that turns people's You know what? You know why I, I decided to start telling people? I don't know if you know this or not, but you're forgiven. What? Yes, to wit the goblins in Christ, he's already forgiven you. And David would say it like this as far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed my sins and he remembers them no more. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, I got our first altar call right here. He believes me if nobody else does. Listen, God says he will accept us and acquit us and declare us not guilty. Oh, my gosh, in heaven, you're not guilty anymore. Look at your neighbor and say, he's declared you not guilty. I believe, and I'm closing. Matter of fact, you can stand. I'm convinced this, that everybody is broken in some area of their life. Hemingway said it best when he said, the world breaks everyone, and afterwards, some are broken in the in the broken places, they're stronger in the broken places. So everybody's broken. Everybody's got issues. I know everybody's fighting a battle. But what can be broken can be mended. What, can be, what is sick can be healed. What is bound can be set free. And no matter how dark your life gets, the sun will shine. And how do I know this about eternity? Because Paul said in Romans 14... For none of us lives to himself alone, none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. So folks, leave here today realizing you are called to live a good life. Be thankful to God for his grace and mercy. Be thankful for your family. Be thankful for your friends. Be thankful for your pastor. Be thankful for your church. Be thankful that you have a life. Be thankful that you have a roof over your head. Be thankful that you have food to eat. Go on and hold somebody just a little bit tighter today. Go home today and make that phone call and tell that loved one how much you love them. I would encourage you do that today. And start living the rest of your life, the best of your life. Start living the good life. Father, we just ask you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for every person here today. I pray that they will leave this place in a change of thoughts, and a change of philosophy, of mindset change. And Lord, an upgrade in their life that they will start living the good life that you intended. And we ask you this in your name we pray. And everyone say amen.